Welcome to episode 120 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Benjamin and Anthony. They use the donation button on our website. Thank you, Benjamin and Anthony, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Do you have trouble letting go of responsibility? Do you take on too much? Or do you give responsibility to someone for something they can't do? If you've ever felt this way, you may find help in Concepts 6 and 7. Concept 6 says, The conference acknowledges the primary administrative responsibility of the trustees. And Concept 7 states, The trustees have legal rights, while the rights of the conference are traditional. And if you can't see how that might apply to your personal life, I think you're not alone, but uh, we're going to try to do that today. So listen in. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at the recovery show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than a program. During the show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the topic of concepts 6 and 7. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. And my name is Spencer, and I will be your host today. Joining me is co-host Akila, and how are you doing today, Akila? I'm good, Spencer. I'm actually really good, which I'll talk about a little bit about later. How about you? Doing okay. It's uh, finally got summertime warm up here, which is to say it was, uh, it's been in the 80s the last few days, might have even broken 90, and I'm sure that doesn't sound really hot to you. But. <laughs> no. <laughs> here we are. Thought I'd start with um, a reading related to concept six. This comes from the uh, book Reaching for Personal Freedom, uh, which is a workbook for studying Al-Anon steps, traditions, and concepts. Concept six builds on the principles of delegation, authority, and responsibility that are found in the earlier concepts. For those of us who have been affected by alcoholism, these principles may be difficult to practice in everyday living. At first, we may feel uneasy about letting go of certain tasks. Perhaps in the past, we felt as if we had to do it all because no one else could do the job as well. In Al-Anon, we begin to learn that one person, one committee, or one management position cannot administer to all things necessary for a relationship or entity to prosper and grow. It takes the commitment of each individual working together to achieve the desired goal. As we learn to work together, we develop some level of trust in others. Not only do we learn to appreciate the value and skills of those working with us, we also begin to identify those aspects within ourselves. After a while, we can more easily determine what job we can do effectively and what jobs others can do. We also learn to link the responsibility of the job with the authority to complete it. In this way, we are accountable for the outcome of our participation, but we are not accountable for the results of someone else's involvement. Concept 6 helps to clarify the delegation of duties and responsibilities to those who are willing, knowledgeable, and experienced. So that was quite a mouthful of a reading there. Yeah, that's a lot right there. (laughs) And uh, I, I pulled some uh, discussion questions again out of that the book, um, Reaching for Personal Freedom, which uh, helped me to understand. Um, and really, there's a whole bunch of readings in there, little individual sharings that also uh, help me to understand how I can take this and apply it in my own life. Um, and sort of the first concept here is that I'm not responsible for everything. 
Um, mm-hmm. I think that's that's what I get from the from the beginning. The uh, the primary administrative responsibility of the trustees. I mean, somebody else is responsible for administering the Al-Anon program is what it's talking about specifically. But just in all of aspects of my life, there are things I'm responsible for, and there are things other people are responsible for. What do you see there? Yeah, I think that that's pretty good. I think the um, because we talked before in concept two and three about delegating administration, administrative and operational authority. So delegating authority, and then three, like the right of decision, giving people the right to make decisions. And I think what concept six kind of does is it um, talks about more if you're like in charge of delegating. I don't know if that makes sense. So like mm-hmm. you were, we were talking about how to, um, you know, let go of things. It's about letting go of responsibility and letting people do the jobs that they've done, which it seems like we've already talked about and at how Al-Anon works on page 134. It talks about, this is really about learning to cooperate. And mm. so it says, we also, in working together, balancing leadership is a necessity. We also attain a balance of resources. Communication is also a priority so that everyone is fully aware of the progress or lack of it that we are making. At home, if we give someone a job, we can expect to receive information about the progress made. And I think that's the part we kind of didn't talk about last time mm-hmm. that concept six is getting to. Like, you can give somebody responsibility and authority, but at the same time, it's still perfectly reasonable to want updates on their progress, to see where things are going and to see how it's going without, and you can do that without micromanaging or super controlling it. But it says, you know, you still have a responsibility to the group. Therefore the group is vested in the outcome and the group still has the right to know how things are going. And you said a word there, which um, I think showed up somewhere in one of the readings and I didn't really call it out um, mm-hmm. here in the questions, but you said balance. And I think when I, when I think about it, as particularly in what you were just saying, that um, one of the underlying principles that Concept 6 is getting at is balance, balance mm-hmm. of authority and responsibility. Um, and, that, uh, and there's these questions here, how can, I, how can Concept 6 help me manage my time and accomplish my tasks. How can I effectively share the load with others? What does concept six teach me about that? How do I do my work and allow others to do theirs without interfering or taking it on? And when I, when I put the word balance in, in my head, as I'm reading those, I see that those questions are all about the balance between what's my responsibility and what's others responsibility. And um, this, this concept that, I acknowledge that you, know, you have a responsibility to carry your side of the conversation here mm-hmm. and that I'm not responsible for what you say. <laughs> right. Um, and that, and that I can, you know, I can let you exercise that authority to, to share your own experience and your own understanding um, right. um, to bring it right into what we're doing here today. Well, yeah, and even thinking about sharing a load with others, like when you had, we talked about this is asking for help, right? Like when you realize that you were now responsible for the podcast on your own because you no longer had the stable roster of co-hosts. And so you were like, okay, well, this is a thing I need help with. 
and I can ask people to do it. And sometimes they'll say yes. And sometimes they'll say no, or sometimes I may have to, um, re, um, configure my plans. And then even realizing like you've done a couple, I'm, I'm behind a, I think I'm behind like an episode and a half, but like you've done, you're like, well, I still want to do the podcast and I don't have a co-host. I'll do it myself, you know, and that's perfectly okay because it's important to you that the podcast gets done, but you're willing to ask for help. And so sometimes if you can't, sorry, I'm speaking, I'm telling you what you're doing, but (laughs) this is what I have observed (laughs) as a listener Um, um, and things that I've heard you say, you know, like it's still important to you to do the podcast. And so sometimes you, you know, you can get somebody who can co-host with you. And sometimes because of your schedule, you can't. But you still do the things that you need to do, but you're willing and you're open to get the help. And you always, it seems like pretty much always accepting when people offer it. So I try. Yeah. Yeah. And that actually brings up another, um, another part of this. And maybe, I, you know, I don't see that in the questions here, but definitely there was some, some in the reading about uh, sort of understanding also understanding what each of us is capable of doing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and assigning assigning responsibilities or, or, or asking for help for something that the other person can do. The other person has the, the skill uh, or the ability to do. And that's also really important. If I, uh, you know, was to ask when my kids were little, if I was to ask, say, my four-year-old, to mow the lawn, uh, that would be sort of an inappropriate uh, assignment of responsibility because, number one, four-year-olds probably not big and strong enough to push the lawnmower, and number two, there'd be a really severe risk of of injury with a power mower uh, for somebody who doesn't really understand what what it can do and, and how to stay out of its way. So, I mean, that's sort of an extreme example, but I'm sure that there, I could, if I thought about it for a minute, I could think of plenty of times when I tried to ask somebody to do something that they really weren't capable of doing, mm-hmm. and then probably got resentful when they didn't do it right or they didn't do it at all. Yeah, and uh, and so concept six also I think um, helps me to understand that uh, each of us has our own abilities. So I have an example from from work actually recently. Okay. We're starting a new phase of the the project that we've been working on, and this is this one took a lot of planning with a lot of people uh, in different different working groups, each working on a, an aspect of the problem. But we all had to come together and sort of agree on uh, how it was going to work, how these different parts were going to work together, and how we were going to make sure that we met the needs of the business as we as we created this functionality, and so. I, w- I had a vision of of one part of the system, how it was going to work, and it sort of laid that out, and everybody said, yeah, that looks good, let's do that. And then, like a couple other people on my team picked that up and started working on it. And, I was, and, and my first thought was, wait a minute, wait a minute, this was mine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I created this thing, I'm, I'm the only person who can do it right. As soon as I had that thought, I realized, well, I'm not the only person who can do it right, and that these other people are are perfectly competent at this. And and they made a more detailed plan of how they were going to accomplish that particular piece of the big plan. And and then they sent it out to say, hey, folks, does this look right? 
Mm-hmm. And, and I looked at that and I said, yep, you got it. Uh, so I, I tried to take it for myself. This, I'm the only person who can do it thing. Uh, I don't, I, I imagine you probably <laughs> felt that at some time or other. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. She says, maybe. <laughs> I was thinking, um, it's so funny because I can actually, cause this is hilarious to me because when I, I said, Oh, you should do the topic on fun. And then like two weeks later, you did the topic on fun, but I wasn't on, I wasn't involved. And I was like, that was my topic. That's exactly what I thought. And I said, well, you didn't say, Spencer, I would like to talk to you about this and we should do it. You said the show should do it. And she had really good stuff to say. So it was fine. But I had, like you, I had that initial thought, like, wait, but this is mine. I don't understand. Because like, <laughs> I, feel, I was like, it was my idea. And that's not even how the show works. Like, and I know that, but at that moment... In the reading and past the recovery on page 287, it gets at what you're talking about because it says, in my personal life, I have to face reality. I need to recognize my limitations, financial and physical. And then it goes on. I need to come to grips with family finances. Should I take a job? Are we adequately insured? Do I have a will? Am I making necessary things happen? So that idea of like, what are my limitations? And have I considered them? And then how do I work with them? And then sometimes it means, I mean, they ask questions, but probably if I'm not adequately insured, I have to take those steps, which means I have to talk to somebody, ask for help. And it's getting to that. And I see one of the questions too down here. It says, how can concept six motivate me to ask for help when I'm frustrated and overwhelmed? Which I think also gets to what you're talking about, this idea of, I can't do it all myself. There is help available and how and where do I find it? Appropriate help, of course. And I think that's like the lawnmower um, example you gave. It has to be appropriate. Yeah. And when you were, when you were saying that I can't do it alone, I need help. Uh, what immediately popped into my head was the, the short, shortened version of steps one, two, and three that we sometimes hear. Mm-hmm. Which is, I can't do it. God can. I'll let him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so, concept six here is kind of bringing that into, um, you know, our interactions with other people. But it also, I think, ties right back to that uh, step one, two, three of, uh, I'm, uh, you know, powerlessness. Maybe I'm powerless to complete everything that needs to get done. Um, there is somebody else who can help. Mm-hmm. You know, and in step two, that somebody else is a higher power and getting the lawn mode. It might be uh, a neighbor uh, or somebody that I pay. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually, I'm sitting here looking out my back window at our, at our lawn, which is getting a little overgrown because we had house painters here and they kind of inhabited the, the lawn for a couple of weeks with their ladders and, and stuff. And I couldn't get out there and mow it. Uh, and then it's been raining and so on and so forth. And, you know, lots of excuses, of course. <laughs> uh, I'm waiting for the grass to spring back up from the ladders before I mow it. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Uh, but I'm sitting here looking out at the lawn and thinking, you know, I'm leaving town for a week tomorrow. Uh, I don't think I'm going to get to the lawn today. I'm not going to get to the lawn tomorrow morning. Maybe we should pay somebody to mow it this time. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and you know, asking for help, right? I, I can't mm-hmm. do it all. Mm-hmm. As you were talking, I highlighted the word here, communication, uh, because, uh, you know, you talked about 
the fun episode, how you suggested it. And then I, I picked it up and ran with it. And I think what happened there is that I mentioned that it would be great to do an episode about fun. And I think Brooke emailed me and said, I would love to do that. I'd love to yeah. talk about that with you. And I think partly because of discussion she'd been having with her, her sponsor about, about having fun. And then you said you didn't say, hey, Spencer, I'd love to do that topic with you. You just said, here's a great topic. Uh, and, and that leads to this, uh, this issue about communication, which is when I'm not clear about communicating my needs to other people, they're probably not going to be met. Right. Uh, and, and that happens all the time here in the house with you know, yeah. me and my wife. Uh, like yesterday, uh, I came home, I went, to, I went to my morning meeting and then I went to the gym and then I came home and, and she got home from her meeting like five minutes later and I said, hey, let's have lunch. And she said, well, I think I want to go lie down for a while. And I was okay, okay. And she went and took a little nap. And meanwhile, I ate lunch because I was hungry. <laughs> And then she came down and said, well, how about lunch? I said, well, I had some leftovers. And she said, well, I thought you were going to wake me up. <laughs> and I thought, I don't think you said that. My response was something like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was supposed to do that. Uh, or I didn't hear that or, you know, something, something to that effect because I didn't. I mean, mm -hmm. and I don't think she explicitly said it. I think there was an un, unstated expectation. And, mm -hmm. and that happens to me. In this case, I was on the receiving end, but certainly I've had uh, expected somebody to do something because it's what I would have done. Yeah. And, yeah. But I didn't say to them explicitly, I would like you to do this. And then that can very easily turn into resentment when it doesn't happen. So communicate, or I would like you to do something in this way. Right. This is the desired outcome. And if I'm not explicit about that, I'm going to get what the other person thinks is right. And it might be fine. Uh, and I have to, I have to accept that if I didn't explicitly, or if I say, I want you to do it this way. And they say, no, I think it'd be better to do it this other way. And then I can say, hmm, yeah, I think you're right. Or, well, what about, and so on. Uh, and, and that happens. I mean, that, that happens to me all the time at work because of uh, my position as sort of the team co-leader, uh, there are other people who are doing the things that I, I specified that, uh, and, and they're doing it in the way that they think is right to do it. And most of the time it really doesn't make any difference exactly how it happens, but I can still express my opinion. Okay. I've gone on long enough about that. I bet you've got some communication examples. <laughs> are you saying I'm not a clear communicator? Switzer? I, am, I, don't. I am not saying that. I'm just saying that sometimes all of us don't clearly express our needs and desires. <laughs> okay. Um, yes. And that is true. And I've, I have a teenager um, who has very, she does. So when I said to her, I want you to, I'm thinking last year on my birthday, I was like, I want you to go with me and I want you to, um, I can't remember what I said to her. I think I said something like, I want you to, I want to spend a day with you and I want you to um, be enthusiastic or something like that in your participation. You know, like I don't want it to seem like a bother. It was something along those lines, which when you're 15, <laughs> what does that mean? Cause she overslept. So I started the day mad because I'm like, I said, I want you to be enthusiastic. 
you overslept. Then I feel like I'm like, come on, let's go. And you're still not. And she's like, I hate getting up early, but oh, my mom's telling me it's time to get up and I'm getting up slow though it may be because I really care about her. That is not what I meant. I meant I didn't want to have to do the work (laughs) of involving her. And so that's that thing where it's like, Okay, so for her, I would have to be very explicit. I want you to be up and ready on time. With You know, like, it has to be more explicit because what I'm saying and what I think I mean is not what she understands. There are other situations that that happens, but that was the one that came to mind where it was really like, I thought I was, I knew, I knew exactly what I meant. And I have this at when I, and I tell my students that too, I say, I'll, Give them directions. I'll have somebody read it. And I say, but please ask me because I know what I'm talking about, but you may not understand what I mean. And so the only way we can clear it up is if you ask me. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Something that I've learned, and I've been using this a lot uh, at work and in other contexts where we're talking about um, like this planning thing we did recently where uh, we... Oh, man, we had like long meetings and it culminated in two two days of solid meeting with a bunch of people to really lay out the work that we're doing over the next month and month and a little bit. And we're all coming at this from our own perspective. I'm coming at it from a particular point of view. Uh, somebody else is coming at it from a point of view of, the business operations, I'm coming at it from a point of view of well, what's going to happen deep inside the computer when we do X, Y, and Z. And somebody else is coming at it from a point of view of, well, I have to be able to uh, generate a report that explains what happened, and so I need certain information. And, and so a tool that I've been using a lot in those discussions is this echoing. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. it's called active listening where I will say, so what I heard you say is this. Yeah, It doesn't question the other person. It doesn't put them on the defensive, and it gives them an opportunity to say, well, that's actually not what I meant. Uh, what I meant was this other thing. And then I can say, oh, I think I now understand that this is what you're saying. And, and it really, I think, helps us to reach an agreement about what we, what we mean together and what needs mm-hmm. to be done and, and how we need to go about it. Uh, and uh, it seems like that's a tool that took me, I don't know, 40 years to learn. So uh, I probably could have learned it quicker if I'd had had the, uh, I don't know, maybe if I'd had Al-Anon when I was 20. I don't know. <laughs> maybe not. Oh, how many things would have been different, Spencer? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> yeah. All right. Any anything more on on concept six, or we can move forward? No, I think we can move forward. I think we've covered everything. All the questions you have, all actually. Right. So, concept seven then says the trustees have legal rights, while the rights of the conference are traditional. And again, this is one of these things like what? Um, so, I also pulled this reading from Reaching for Personal Freedom. Uh, I don't have the page number right in front of me, but it's the the concept seven reading at the beginning of the, the chapter. Concept 7 addresses the balance between legal and traditional authority and encourages us to seek clarity in our roles and responsibilities. In the past, our roles and responsibilities may have been distorted because we have been affected by the disease of alcoholism. We also may have been confused about the difference between legal rights and responsibilities and traditional authority. 
Today, we know there are matters that can only be resolved through the laws that govern us. For example, we may be given certain authority within the framework of a specific job description, or we may be responsible for personal contracts. If there are disputes within these situations, the rules that govern the workplace or the stipulations of the contract are binding. Through these measures, we can find agreement in an equitable manner for those involved. However, the legal system is not the only authority that can help us. When we consider traditional authority in Al-Anon, we turn to the spiritual principles of the legacies. In our personal lives, we seek guidance from a power greater than ourselves. When we find ourselves in the middle of a disagreement or conflict, we may discover that a solution is found through calm reasoning and the wisdom of the spiritual principles of the Al-Anon program. So how does that speak to you? I will just say that um, Pastor Recovery and how Al-Anon works give a really, they give really good examples mm-hmm. about how it works. And so, um, and how Al-Anon works, it says, <clears throat> this concept can be easily applied to the different members in a family. Everyone has a role and a responsibility. All family members are equally important, but the parents or adult guardians are the ones who sign the mortgage papers and make sure the bills are paid. They are also held legally accountable for the actions of the family as a whole. So the trustees make sure that the, that everything that Al-Anon is doing is within the law and not just the law in terms of the legal system laws, but also the laws and bylaws of Al-Anon itself. Mm-hmm. And in Pastor Recovery on page 287, this woman, I think it's a woman. I shouldn't assume. But she she says that her 17-year-old daughter had decided she was going to move out. So she came to her with this presentation and she's like, and I'm moving out and it's all well-reasoned and it's wonderful and I love it. And then she's like sitting there, you know how it is, sitting there and like, wait a minute, what just You're happened? You're going to do what? <laughs> yeah, she's like, what just happened? And so then she remembered. <laughs> and so like her daughter goes upstairs and she's packing. And then so she goes upstairs, the mom goes upstairs and says to her, and her daughter was already familiar with the concepts that I don't think that really matters. What she says is in this family, and this is on page 293, not two, two, seven, whatever I said before. In this family, I am the board of trustees. I remain a member of the family, which is like the conference, but a higher power who is also a part of this recovering family made me the board of trustees. I have been granted legal rights to guard and protect our family. And if necessary, override any decision made by the conference you, daughter, that would endanger the legal and financial well-being of the entire family. Moving out before you are of age, no matter how sound the rationalization may seem to you, is out of the question. I will continue to be held legally liable until you are of age, and therefore you can't go, because that's why, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, apparently she said her daughter was like, oh, yeah, okay, then. Yeah. Right. Um, but wow. I think so, that's... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, but I mean, that really, I think, clearly lays it out. <laughs> that is good. And while while you were reading that, I thought of, I think it was a week ago, we had a first step in one of my meetings, and one of the members was talking about their path to Al-Anon, let's, mm-hmm. let's say, uh, and when their child was, I think, 17, and, and they said, yeah, my child was basically the drug dealer at the local high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we decided that 
the child continued to act in this way that they couldn't live at home. So we rented an apartment for them. Oh. <laughs> and that apartment basically turned into the local teenage drug hangout. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that the person who was telling this story was maybe not yet in Al-Anon and so, or maybe mm-hmm. had only been in Al-Anon for a little while and sort of was applying, uh, you know, the, the principles in, in part saying, well, I'm setting a boundary here. You can't do this behavior in my house. Therefore, you have to move out without considering mm-hmm. uh, this, the tradition seven legal responsibilities that, that the parent still held for the child and, Eventually, the child turned eighteen, and they were no longer responsible. And and yeah. you know whatever happened happened. And I don't remember what if I heard the rest of the story, but that really struck me like, wow, uh, we set our kid up to be the 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 local place where other kids could come and hang out and have drugs. And mm-hmm. wow, <laughs> and that's yeah. not considering not considering the appropriate legal responsibilities. And I think, I mean, just thinking about coming into the program and it's that a lot of the things, and I, I can't remember who was talking, who it was, um, but the, the woman who was talking about how her son was, um, addicted to, she had went to NA and she was saying they had to have that newcomers meeting because everything they tell you is like the opposite of the way we think as parents. Like, don't make them do stuff. They have to do it on it. You know, like the whole thing. Um, And I know, and somebody else wrote in a long time ago. It was like they were having trouble with their their kid. And I just remember it's really difficult because, and I think this really gets at it, that whole idea, and I think especially as parents, but it can apply to other situations. But that whole idea that we do want to apply the spiritual principles. We want to let go and let God. We want to set boundaries. We want to do this. But at the end of the day, I am still your mother. And I'm th- I'm talking specifically of underage kids here. Because mm-hmm. um, there were times where I'm like, I know my daughter has to make her own decisions. And then I'm like, yeah, but I'm still the grown up. And in some things, I do know better. And I have to tell her I know better. Yeah. And I have to make rules that she's not always going to understand and that it doesn't make sense to her to follow because I understand what that means. And I can give an example. We were riding in the car one day. We were riding in the car one day. And my daughter wanted to, she wanted to go out with some friends. She's like, can I go to this, um, this guy's house? He's a little bit older. And I was like, yeah, I don't think that's appropriate. I said, I don't, I said, and she's like, why not? I said, well, I don't know him. I don't know his parents. And then she's like, well, could I go to, um, I'll just make up a name. Can I go to Tony's house? And I was like, well, yeah, that would be fine. And she's like, I don't understand the difference. And I said, because I know Tony and I know his parents. So it's a big difference because I don't know anything about these people. And then she's like, well, why do I have to call you and tell you where I am? Or why do I have to call you and let you know when I want to go somewhere else? Nobody else has to do it. You know, we got into the whole thing. And then she's like, how was it when you were a kid? I was like, it was pretty much the same thing. And she's like, I just don't understand. And I had to look at her. And I said, it's because, I said, I know you will hate this reasoning, but it's because you're a teenager and you won't understand until you're an adult. And it's the kind of thing that drove me crazy when my parents did it. But now that I'm an adult, I understand it. And so it's that whole, I don't know how else to do it, but like sometimes there are things that we just, we just do know better. And it's okay to say, no, you can't do this thing because I'm responsible for you. 
Well, that's that's very helpful. I'm looking at a question here. It says, how can clearly defining my responsibilities keep me from trying to fix the lives of others? <laughs> that's our whole program. <laughs> it's the whole program. It really is. It's the whole program in a, in a, in a concept uh, mm-hmm. that, that by understanding, like, you know, in my case, I was clearly not legally responsible for my wife's actions. We we're both right. adults. Um, we had certain obligations to each other. We were entered into contracts about, um, you know, we both co-signed on a mortgage. Okay, so we, mm-hmm. we're both responsible for the mortgage. And so if something she did made it possible to not make a mortgage payment, that would that would impact on me. And so uh, I'm responsible. I have a responsibility to try to make sure that whatever that might be doesn't happen. But aside from the question of drinking and driving, if she decides to drink, decided... She's not drinking anymore, but if she decided to drink one bottle of wine in an evening or two bottles of wine in an evening, that is not my responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, her her traditional right to decide what goes into her body um, does override any sort of right I might have as the as the husband to to order her life, which is almost none, um, particularly in a modern uh, modern marriage. Uh, we we cooperate rather than uh, um, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Uh, you know, telling each other what to do. We uh, we cooperate on finding ways to do what needs to get done. You know, I don't say, "Wife, wash the dishes." Oh my god, <laughs> I, would get, I would get killed um, <laughs> if I said that. But if you look back, you know, fifty or sixty years, mm-hmm. that was a that was a norm. Mm-hmm. That was a norm in in certain, at least in certain social settings, that you know the husband is the boss and the wife is the follower, and and so you know that's not not really a legal responsibility, a legal right, but it definitely was a traditional right, and that has changed. But it still was also the case that that even back then I couldn't have said, "Wife, stop drinking." Uh, right. She's an alcoholic. She's gonna drink, you know, uh, and so that. That helps me to to clarify, like, really, what is my responsibility here, and what is not my responsibility. And when I understand what's not my responsibility, then it it makes it easier for me to not try to fix things that are not mine to fix. Which, again, like you said, is the whole program. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking too of um, what was it? I think it was Maria who was on the show, and she was saying how. Because when you mentioned the mortgage, like you're both responsible for the mortgage, but you don't want to, you know, you don't want, that's the thing you both have responsibility for, it. but say um, my partner doesn't meet his responsibility for the mortgage. That's really important to me that my mortgage is paid. So I don't have to fix his life to pay my mortgage, but, and this is part of the, uh, this gets into some of the, um, I know it causes some of our control issues and stuff. <laughs> understatement um but thinking like this is getting to how important is it what's important what's the personal responsibility and i think maria said that she couldn't and i may be misremembering but i thought she said she couldn't count on her husband for the money for the mortgage so she said but he was responsible for another bill that she wasn't quite you know she gave him control of that one because she wasn't ready to let let it go and then that way, if it got cut off or whatever, it didn't impact her the same way. And yeah. so some, this also shows us, I think, there are ways we can guard and protect ourselves without being overbear, 
overbearingly controlling. It's just saying that, and this goes back to concept six, what responsibilities can people handle? And if someone is drinking, their responsibility threshold is going to be a lot lower usually (laughs) than someone who is sober. (laughs) But if that's the case, you know, a lot of what we're learning here is um, when you were talking about setting expectations and things like that and how not to get a resentment. But it is, it's like we have to figure out what works best for us to protect us legally. The mortgage has to be paid if I want to stay in the house. That's something I have to, that has to be done, but maybe I don't need cable. And so I have to juggle what's important so that I'm not stressing out and then trying to micromanage and control every little aspect of life, which is a lot easier said than done. <laughs> but that's why we're here. <laughs> yep. The, uh, the last question we had, I think you've really addressed already. How can I apply concept seven as a parent when making or enforcing rules? Uh, and, uh, you know, I really liked what you had to say there about, there are things that as an adult you understand and and you resented it when your parents uh, set those rules uh, but now you understand why they did and mm-hmm. and you're you're setting them to keep your responsibilities in line mm-hmm. so i was i was trying to think about where how i set those boundaries with with my kids and how maybe I failed to, to set those boundaries with my kids sometimes without, uh, but that I think that, that it was, it was fairly clear where, where I could set lines, uh, for each of the kids, it was different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The one kid was particularly by the end of his senior year and, and he was already 18 at that point. So our legal responsibility certainly was lessened at that point. Um, but you know, he was pretty defiant about some things. He was like, I'm going to do this and, mm-hmm. and whatever you say, is not going to make any difference. I've decided this is what I'm going to do. And, and so we, you know, at that point, our, our legal responsibility was, was pretty much nil. Um, I guess mm-hmm. we could have, we could have said, well, we're, we're not going to, you know, pay for college or something, but it wasn't, it wasn't that far out. Right. It wasn't to the point where he's destroying his life. It's that he's doing things we don't approve of. Mm-hmm. We could set a boundary about smoking, for example. You're not smoking in the house. And, and that, that one we didn't have a fight over even. I mean, he just he right. knew there was no smoking in the house. And, and when he wanted to smoke, he went out for a walk. And, and then it was like, well, so do we say we really don't like you leaving the house at 2 in the morning to go for a walk so you can smoke? <laughs> Yeah. How do you set that back? I mean, we live in a safe neighborhood, so I wasn't too too concerned. I mean, there is some crime, mm-hmm. particularly in the student neighborhood. The, um, students tend to be like easy victims or something. I don't know. College students who live in a college town, right? Yeah. When he did get in legal trouble, um, as I think it was after his freshman year in college, so he was whatever, 19, and he did get in some legal trouble. And we're like, dude, mm-hmm. you know, you did this. Um you got you got to fix this. Uh, we put the money up for the lawyer because he didn't have it. He's still paying us back, but we've been pretty lax on that. Uh, I think we just <laughs> about paid back. But you know, that's where you set the boundaries, and that's that's what we could do. Uh, yeah, and we didn't we didn't jump in and fix it for him. Uh, he had to take some consequences. Uh, he had to do. I think he ended up with a fine and community service when he just did it because that was his responsibility, and he took that mm-hmm. on. So I figured we did a reasonable job as parents. Uh, mm-hmm. 
he, I, I, I like to say he's never made the same mistake twice, which I think is pretty much true. But That's damn, awesome. a kid has to learn from experience, which is just as painful as a parent. Yeah. They can do stuff. And if it's not legal, you can still say that's not allowed in my house. And if you continue to do that, you can't stay here because I'm still going to get in trouble because I'll be in trouble. Like, you know, like they don't they're like, whatever, it's my deal. No, no, no. I'll be in trouble. So sometimes those are hard um, decisions that people have to make. And, you know, it's just not easy. Yep. It's not. Any final thoughts on, on these concepts? Um, I think we've pretty well talked them out. It's just the whole thing, letting go of responsibility and understanding what's mine. What is mine in this situation? In any given situation, what is mine? And sometimes something will be mine and that's okay too. Yep. So what's mine? And if it's not mine, can I ask somebody else to do it? Or is it more appropriate that somebody else does it? Yeah. After a short break, we will continue with our lives in recovery, where we talk about how recovery works in our daily lives and in our meetings. Our first musical selection, which you can listen to on the website at therecoveryshow.com slash 120 slash 120, is by Courtney Barnett. The song is Pedestrian at Best. Courtney Barnett is a young artist from Melbourne, Australia, and I first heard her on the All Songs Considered podcast, uh, and they were like raving about her. I don't know. Anyways, uh, I, I looked her up on Spotify where they describe her style as garage rock infused folk pop. And I, you know, I can't disagree with that description with conversational deadpan delivery. And I think if you listen to this song, you'll definitely hear that. It's, it's not quite talking song, but it's, it's close to that. Uh, and this song is from her uh, recent album titled, Sometimes I Sit and Think, and Sometimes I Just Sit. And I also, awesome. I love the title of the album. I mean, it just is like very Al-Anon. Like sometimes you need to sit and think, and sometimes you just need to sit. Yeah. And so the first time I heard this song, my my thought was, as I was listening to the song, it's like, oh my God, I have to include this in the podcast somehow. Uh, and the lyrics that, that stood out for me that really jumped out at me in that moment were these, put me on a pedestal and I'll only disappoint you. Tell me I'm exceptional and I promise to exploit you. And I'm connecting this to concepts six and seven because I can so easily put someone on pedestal and then be disappointed when they don't do what I expected because I gave them a responsibility that wasn't theirs uh, or wasn't theirs to be able to do, perhaps. And also uh, because I can uh, step into that role of being exceptional and able to do everything and anything, and then I'll disappoint others when I can't actually carry it out because I can't do everything and anything. So check it out. Um, I really love the song. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, what's happening in our meetings and our lives this week. Okay, so I'll start. So my life this week. So I have been, I, I was sick for like two months. Which really sucks. Um, And I don't do being sick well because there are things to do and things to get done. And also, I just don't like feeling bad. Like this is, you know, it's like basic. I don't want to feel bad, but also my life continues even when I'm sick. So lots of stuff came out of that. Um, One of them is that I really had to deal with vulnerability, Mm. which is not a thing that I'm comfortable with and I don't like. 
So I had this moment because most of the people that I'm close to do are not local. So I'm in touch with them on Facebook. Though I have started growing um, a community around me here and I have some people that, you know, they kind of know what's going on with me. So I was having issues with, with my thyroid and it turned out I had to get a biopsy. Like it was just a lot. Mm. And so I was like, should I post about this on Facebook? And this is, so this is my thought process. I was like, I really don't want to, I don't want people to worry about me, but then I want them to know what's going on, but I don't want them to worry about me. I don't want them to, I don't want to be a burden, but I also want people to know what's going on. And I say, I want people to care, but how can I care if I don't tell them, how can they care if I don't tell them what's going on and on and on and on. And it was funny. It was not funny. haha. But I was thinking too, because when my mom was sick, she was really sick and she was in a hospital and um, my, my cousin and her friends, and they were like, she didn't tell anybody what was going on. And she, she was saying the same stuff that I said. She was like, I don't want to worry people. I don't want it to be a bother. But then when she got really, really sick, she needed those people and she wanted them around her to support her. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know, if something's really wrong, I need people to know before I drop this bomb on them. Yeah. And so this was huge for me because first I, I told my, um, I had to tell, I always tell my mom when I, you know, I tell my mom what's going on. I told my daughter, which I never would have done before, before mm-hmm. I would have been like, Oh, I have to have this biopsy, but I don't want to tell her unless I need to, which means unless everything is terrible. Um, and so telling her was hard because, you know, she got upset. She started crying. And I was like, well, I'm, I said, I said, the doctor's not worried. I think I'm okay. And she's like, you can't die. You know, she's the whole thing. Cause you know, we know what a biopsy means. And I was like, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. Um, and she's like, Oh my God, I need you. And, and I was like, it's okay. I'm just getting a test, but I want you to know what's going on with me. I never would have said anything to her in the past. Then I, um, so then eventually I did put it on Facebook and I have to tell you typing that post. Yeah. <laughs> I did it in my, in a very signature, please do not ask me questions. And also I don't want you to get your emotional feelings all over me when I tell you this way, but I posted it. And, uh, you know, one of my friends, she was like, I'm really glad you told us. And I was like, yeah, it was very hard for me to do that. And she was like, I understand, but I'm still glad you told us. And I felt a lot better after I did it. Um, and I think I told you before, one of the ways I, um, like, what's your higher power? I always try to negotiate my way out of things. So if I start mm-hmm. thinking about how much I don't need to do something I shouldn't, I probably should. Mm-hmm. And that was one of those things. And so I felt a lot better. And what I realized is I had spent so much of my life before coming in recovery, keeping secrets and keeping everything to myself and pretending everything was okay. And it's exhausting. It's so exhausting. And I didn't realize it until... um I had this experience where I wasn't talking about it on Facebook and I was going to keep doing my usual Facebook stuff, which is posting pithy stuff and being funny and ha ha. And it felt so dishonest. And like I was constantly on guard and not, you know, being true. And once I did, I felt so much better. And I said, oh, my gosh, no wonder I was always such a wreck <laughs> before. <laughs> and, you know, so that was like. That was totally permissive. The biopsy was fine, by the way. Um, I wasn't going to ask. 
<laughs> it's okay. I don't, yeah, it was fine. So it was, um, and it was very stressful. And so the other thing that we were talking that, um, I went to a meeting and we were kind of talking, we kind of, the topic was character defects. So step six. And, um, we didn't talk about a lot, but I was thinking of, you know, how they say a lot of times our character defects, our assets, we, we had to use them. They were protective and then they started interfering with our lives because it's not time to use them anymore and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. You know, all this stuff it says. Mm-hmm. And so, um, one of the things that happened is as I'm waiting for this, for this procedure is, you know, er, you know, I was like, how are you doing? I was like, I'm okay. And I was really okay. And then like the night before, I just sat there and I just like put my head down and my daughter looked at me and she was like, Ma, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I know. And it was like everything, all the tension, apprehension, and worry, everything I was feeling came up. And so before, because one of my issues is that I don't, I, I already mentioned this, but I don't like emotions and feelings and things like that. But in the past, so the joke would be you're emotionally constipated. And I had a, um, a therapist who says you're not emotionally constipated you're emotionally stealth you feel things when it's safe to feel them and but a lot of times that can be a defect for me like i i'm okay every you know i can pretend to be okay and in this case it was really good because i wasn't stressed out about this test and i wasn't fretting about it and i wasn't worrying about it and then the night before when it was real i was like holy crap i can't believe i'm about to go through this thing And it was good that it was the night before because I would have been a complete and total wreck leading up to it. Um, And so that was one of those moments where I got to be grateful for something that I tend to think of as a defect, but I could see how it was very helpful. So I had missed meetings because I've been sick and traveling. And then I finally got to some meetings. It's always good to go to meetings. Like I said, we talked about character defects and assets at one. I don't remember what we talked about. Oh, well, it's just this week anyway. <laughs> so like, I don't remember what we talked. You don't need my whole history of going, I'm not going to meeting. <laughs> so that was a good meeting. I was a little late for that one, but, and it was a really big group. So it was a lot of good sharing and stuff going on, talking about things. I didn't get to share that story because I was late. So um, but I did get to talk to some people after the meeting, which was nice. I also hung out with somebody from the program. We just kind of went out for ice cream and had a chat. And that was nice. And then the Saturday, yesterday, I went to a um, a sponsorship workshop, which was cool. Um, we talked about sponsorship and uh, things to consider when being a sponsor, things to consider when being, when, um, being a sponsee. Which you all agree is kind of a weird word. <laughs> it is. Um, and it was interesting because there was this guy, he talks a lot. And I know he talks a lot. And he's one of these people where it's like, oh, gosh, he won't stop talking. But he says really good stuff. So I, it's always like, oh, OK, he's going to talk. And it's like, I'm glad he's talking, <laughs> you know, after he says what he has to say. It's always good stuff to hear. So it's one of those moments where we have to um, do principles of our personalities. So one of the things that we talked about, which was kind of interesting at the sponsorship workshop, is that the big book is not Al-Anon conference approved literature. And so quite a few of us were kind of like, what? <laughs> it was it was a moment. <laughs> That's all I'll say about it. But it gave me a lot to think about because it's um, 
we were talking a lot about how, again, there's no really no wrong way to do Al-Anon. But, and there are things in the big book that are useful, but the Al-Anon has its own body of literature that is very helpful and can help us in our recovery as well. And so, I mean, that was kind of the, the main gist of what we, we concluded on that. But just that, like, it was this emphasis on it, which is interesting because I was taking a sign up to lead a meeting and I was going to use um, an excerpt from the big book. And now I realized that wouldn't be appropriate. So I will not do that. I'm also doing this thing called the artist way. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Um, and it's not, it's not 12 step. It's not affiliated with it, but she talks about, um, so it's this whole, it's a spiritual recovery thing and it's the same thing. And it's so every, so much of what she's saying in there lines up with the things that I've been working on in my program. And so I'll be reading something. I'm like, Oh, this is step three stuff, or this is step two stuff, you know? Um, and it's just really interesting and helpful. And so, you know, when we're talking about spiritual stuff and how, um, Al-Anon is a spiritual program or the 12 steps is a spiritual path to recovery. It's just bringing it home because of course it all overlaps with these other spiritual traditions. So it's just been really interesting. And so the, the, and I'm still talking. I told you I would talk forever. Um, the other thing that happened as a result of me being sick, and this has to do with, I was thinking about your podcast on, I don't remember what the actual topic was, but at the beginning, you talked about being stressed out and you were talking about how work yeah. is overwhelming and you need yeah. to blah, blah, you know, take a step back. And so the other thing that happened is I'm in a book club over the summer and we read a book every week. I also signed up to do a professional development um, class, which goes, I think, like six weeks. Uh, I just finished teaching for the summer. I have to plan my courses for the fall. And so I'm working. I'm, I'm just so exhausted from being sick and all this stuff. And I'm um, sitting there thinking about, you know, and I was just like, this is too much. Like I'm doing too much. I don't want to, everything I do is required. It's required reading. It's the book club is fun, but it's required reading. I'm in this other book circle thing at work. That's required reading. Like everything is stuff I don't want to do, but that I have signed on for. And so I finally was like, I need to, so I decided to stop taking the um, professional development course. Um, And you know, I'm actually on vacation. I also decided to stop for a book club. I'm only reading the books I actually want to read. And I just stopped and I'm on vacation. I said, I'm going to take off the rest of July and not do anything until August. And it is amazing how much my mood has changed. But it's also amazing that it's really bizarre for me. And I was like, I may be a slight workaholic. because it's just, it's really difficult for me to not do anything. And so today is my nothing day, aside from talking to you, where I'm not doing anything except laundry and I'm just hanging out and reading and maybe watching some TV or, you know, watching a movie or something. I'm not leaving the house. Um, And it was funny because my daughter had, she got a job this summer. And she was really excited because before she went away to camp, she took a week off. She said, I'm finally getting a vacation time. 
And I'm like, you haven't been doing anything but going to work a couple hours a day. And so this is the adult in me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, going to, and then so I realized going to work is so much work. She had the right idea. <laughs> like just to do nothing, it's a, it's a challenge and a luxury. So I'm really just trying to keep an eye on not making everything a chore for myself. And I, I find ways to complicate my life that I don't need to. And like that professional development thing, I had to, I stopped because I said, no one is making you do this. This is something you signed up for. Your job doesn't care. Your boss doesn't care. This is all like a self-imposed. I mean, I had signed up for it. So I had made a commitment, but it was like, but the reason you did it is because you thought it would add value. And it's not right now. It's taking value away and it's making your life more difficult. It's okay to step back. And I tell you, Spencer, it is not easy for me to do things like that. So it's just been, my I mean, my daughter comes back this weekend. So I have a real vacation. Everybody is out of this house. My parents went on a trip. So I actually have the house to my whole entire self. And it has been glorious mm-hmm. and wonderful and amazing. Mm-hmm. And I am really trying to luxuriate in it. But it's good because I was starting to get that feeling Um that I was put upon, like everything was a chore. Everything was hard. I wasn't having anything for myself. And so it's very nice that I was able to, you know, I had to pray about it and everything. Um, but that's a lot, but that's what's been going on with me. But it's, you know, it's just stuff I'm learning here. Like it's okay to take care of myself. I can do things for myself and I don't have to do everything all the time. So Anyway, that's me. That was like 20 minutes worth, I'm sure. How about you? How has how has been your week? <laughs> well, mine's going to be shorter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay, because uh, you talked for like two entire podcasts by yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I do. I do. I did. Um, yeah, so I sort of th- thought of some things while you were talking, and I was like, I need to write these down, and I don't have a pencil or anything, so I didn't. So um, You could have typed them in our thing. I could have, but I didn't. Um, okay. So one thing that I thought of was, you know, when you're talking about telling your daughter about what was going on with you, um, that then she was able to be supportive when you needed it mm-hmm. the night before the procedure. If you hadn't said anything to her and you were like totally freaking out, I mean, not only couldn't she have given you that comfort, but it probably would have freaked her out too. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So came back, came back in a good way. Thinking about vacation, thinking about letting go of the things that I think I have to do that I don't really have to do. So I started taking Fridays off, and and this week uh, our team was like, "Oh, we have all this stuff we have to do in like two weeks, and Spencer's going to be gone for all of next week." <laughs> and, and and I was thinking, should I come in on Friday? But I didn't. Yay! Good for you. We rotate an on-call duty if something goes wrong with um, our part of the system. Uh, One person is sort of first line. It gets notified by the the automated stuff that says, something's wrong, and you know, which could involve waking up in the middle of the night uh, and saying, oh, yeah, not a problem, or oh, my God, I have to get up and fix this right away. So I was on-call through midnight last night, uh, which was Saturday, Uh, but uh, I was off work Friday and Saturday, and I said, look, I'm... I will respond to the alarms, but that's it. Uh, and when I'm on vacation, when I'm actually away, I'm going to be 
out of the country, which has definite financial implications about phone use. Jeez, mm-hmm. um, even just going to Canada, all of a sudden it's a dollar a minute for a phone call, you know, um, like maybe I need to switch phone companies, except how often do I go to Canada? Not that often. Right? <laughs> um, like, oh, I have to change everything because it's one thing for a week, you know? Um, that's that all or nothing thinking. Right? Yeah, it is. Uh, I actually paid AT&T like $30 for a package that gives me unlimited text and a reasonable amount of data. I'm not mm-hmm. anywhere near what I'm used to. Like, no streaming music and downloading podcasts while I'm on, on uh on digital on, on on wireless, you know, I have to wait till I'm mm-hmm. in a Wi-Fi to do that sort of thing, and to and email, and you know, one of the things that's really pissing me off here is I get so much spam email, um, mm. and it's like that stuff is just going to eat up my bandwidth for no purpose except to annoy me. But anyway, getting <laughs> off the topic here. Uh, so what I said was I'm going to delete my work email from my phone while I'm gone. Mm-hmm. For And that accomplishes two purposes, really. Uh, one is this, I'm not spending money on the bandwidth for stuff that I shouldn't be reading anyway. Mm-hmm. And number two, the stupid number on the on the mail app mm-hmm. button on my phone doesn't keep going up and up and up. Like, you know, I get 50 to 100 emails a day at work. It's crazy. And, mm-hmm. and I'm just enough sort of OCD that that really bugs me. Mm-hmm. Like, there's this red number. I have to click on this thing and get that red number gone. But at the same time, I want to be not doing work while I'm on vacation. So I said, look, I'm going to delete, I'm going to delete my work email from, from my phone. Uh, if you absolutely need to get in touch with me for something, send me a text message at this phone number. Uh, because since I paid the $30, texts are free. Uh, and, and if I need to call you and here's some crazy, I mean, this crazy economic stuff here. So, um, I paid $30 for 120 megs of data, uh, which is a whole lot cheaper than it would have been, you know, five years ago or something, but it's still $30. Uh, and, and phone calls are a dollar a minute. Skype calls, when you work out the economics, if I call on Skype or on FaceTime, it works out mm-hmm. to like somewhere between 10 and 20 cents a minute. Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, okay, I would have to pay Skype like a couple cents a minute to to actually call a phone number, uh, but still, it's so much cheaper than the dollar a minute that the phone company is wants to rip me off for. Like, I don't, I do not understand this economics here. Uh, even if I went over my 120 megabytes, it's still cheaper to make the call mm-hmm. on Skype or on FaceTime audio. Well, on FaceTime, you can use Wi-Fi to do it anyway. So. Or and I could do it on Wi-Fi if I'm in Wi-Fi. And the main reason yeah. I want the, the the main reason I want the data is because. Uh, I'm going to be in a strange city, and I like to be able to know where I'm going, and so I want to be able to use the map. Oh, yeah, um, totally. You know, um, that's the main reason I paid for the data, plus the texting. Otherwise, like 50 cents a text or something stupid like that. Um, I remember last time we were in Canada on vacation with the family, I told the kids, turn your phones off. Yeah. Because if you receive a text, it's going to cost us 50 cents, and you can't control people sending you texts. Um, yeah. Which is just, you know, again, stupid um, phone company <laughs> crap. Um <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one who gets really heated about this phone stuff because it drives me crazy. Too. Oh, my God. Anyway, go on. We pay so much money to the phone company every month, and what do we get for it? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. So, anyway, uh, there's there's my, my really letting go of work for a week thing. Like, I just I'm, – I'm not going to get any notifications, and 
probably nobody's going to text me. I'm sure they won't be that desperate, but if they do, I'll deal with it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm really, really taking that away. Uh, but so Friday, Friday was my day off that I'm taking vacation on Fridays this, this summer. And my wife says to me in the morning, she says, so what are your plans for today? I said, nothing. I have no plans for today. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and, and I pretty much did pretty much nothing for most of the day. Uh, and it was okay. Uh, and today, you know, the consequence is that, that yesterday and today were a little busier. And today I was like doing the laundry, got to pack, uh, got to make make sure that I pack for beach formal. Because the wedding's on a beach that I'm going oh. to. And I'm like, what the hell is beach formal? Well, luckily this website that they're registered through has, has a definition of beach formal. Uh, it's like <laughs> a summer weight suit with a... Uh, a linen shirt, no tie necessary, and sandals. I'm like, cool, I can probably do that. But I have to go like check my I, I have a couple possibilities for, for wearing as a as a suit or a sports coat and I think one of them doesn't fit me anymore. And I have to go check that. So I'm feeling a little bit of stress about well, I gotta do the podcast and we're having dinner with my daughter and I wanna mm-hmm. go to my meeting and gotta get the laundry done and the packing. I don't have to leave the house till like eleven o'clock tomorrow, so I'll finish packing in the morning and that'll be okay. Okay. Uh, but, you know, sort of like I got the rest on Friday, but I'm feeling a little bit of stress today. That's the way it is. Um, mm-hmm. Meetings this week, nothing real special happened at, at, at meetings. Um, there was yesterday, uh, went to my step meeting and we we're on step eight. And there's a woman there. It's like her second meeting. Her first meeting was a week ago at the same, <laughs> at the same meeting. And so my codependency kicked in and I'm thinking, oh, my God, step eight. And she's in her second meeting. How's this going to, you know, what's she going to think? She's going to like run away and never come back because this is so not relevant to her. And, um, so I just talked about my own experience and I talked about my own experience around the way in which I had been affected by alcoholism and how that caused me to do harm to other members of my family. And maybe she took something from it and maybe she didn't. Um, and, you know, it helped me a little because Anytime I can go back and, and revisit and see where I was and where I've come is always a good thing for me. Uh, so, yeah, um, I think that's about it for the week. That's great. I'm glad you took your email off your phone. That's I did that a long time ago because I was just like, I don't need people. I mean, obviously for your work, when you're home, you do have it on your phone. But And then I even took, I disabled it on my home computer because it was just too much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. So. And that... that I mean, I can do that because I have a separate work email and home email. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, I have the podcast email and I have too many emails, but that's another story for another day. That's I think. Okay. Looking forward, uh, upcoming topics. So, um, you know, we did one about fun. And then uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think Eric suggested a topic of laughter. Cool. Which, uh, we, we certainly had a lot here today. It's a good thing. Uh, and also been talking about this topic of Elanon dreams, uh, wanting to hear from hear from you about you know what dreams are you having that of recovery of relapse of uh, because I know I've had them, but if I'm just going to relate my dreams, it's going to be a really short episode. So uh, uh, I want to get everybody's voices in here. I've had one person call in with a, a dream already, and I'd like to hear some more. And then when we I get, have a dream, all right. Email or, or, or voicemail or whatever, and, uh, and we'll put together an episode with all those dreams. Oh, right. So laughter. How have you experienced laughter in the program? 
did you find it weird that people were laughing in, in meetings when you were coming in all in pain? Uh, how, does, how does the ability to laugh at yourself help your recovery? So we welcome your thoughts. You can join the conversation right here. Leave us a voicemail or send an email with your feedback or questions. And Akila, how can people do that? You can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. So you can call right now to 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. And if you prefer not to use your voice, please send an email to feedback at the recovery show.com. We'd love to hear from you, share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of concepts six and seven, or any of our upcoming topics, including laughter and dreams. So, and if you have a topic you'd like to talk, talk to us about, please let us know. Spencer, um, where can our listeners find out more about The Recovery Show? Well, you can go to the website, therecoveryshow.com, where we have all the information about the show, which includes notes for each episode, links to the music that we talk about, usually a music video. Uh, occasionally, uh, I'll find a song that I can't get a, a music video for, but that that's pretty rare these days. And links to other recovery podcasts and websites that we like. You can leave comments right there on the website, uh, or you can, as we said, send email or or call. And if you'd really like to join the conversation, uh, you can consider being a guest host just like Akila is today. You can do this by phone or Skype or FaceTime or uh, other electronic media. Email to feedback at com if you're interested in that. We're going to take a short break before diving into the mailbag. Our second musical selection available on the website is Lean On Me by Bill Withers. And I picked this song because of the lyrics specifically that say, Please swallow your pride if I have faith you need to borrow, for no one can fill those of your needs that you won't let show. So again, it just goes back to asking for help, getting appropriate help, everything that we've already talked about today in the podcast. start with a voicemail from Brian. Hi, Spencer. It's Brian J. Wanted to call in and thank you for um, all the spiritual help you have given me through your podcast. Uh, just finished your Tradition 12 podcast, working my way through the back catalog. and um, was thinking about the fatherhood episode as well. Because of that episode, I, I decided to do something about my spiritual well-being and get in touch with nature again. And went for a walk in a park after I met with my sponsor. and really enjoyed it and have started making it more of a practice in my life. And also, um, got introduced to Brene Brown through your website. Just finished up the Gifts of Imperfection this morning. And um, really, really intrigued by it. There's a lot in there, and um, I'm going to have to go back through. I did it through Audible, so I'm going to have to listen to it again. Maybe get a hard copy, too. Um, it's really great. And then uh, you've talked about on being a couple different times on the podcast, and I've picked it up as well. And um, there's a lot of different spiritual aspects with that, and uh, some fun, too. So... With all those great things, I, I figured I 
would lay one on you. The uh, topic I got in mind is finances. I think it's something where we could get some folks together, maybe have some professional advice, actually give some advice that meant something. Because um, I know in my life, I've definitely struggled with codependency and uh, I've done some spiritual growth, but definitely have some room to go on the financial side. So just thought I'd throw it out there. Thanks again for what you do. Take care. Bye. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, thank you, Brian. number of topics in there, uh, getting in touch with uh, with nature as a spiritual practice, um, which certainly something I like to do. Um, Brene Brown, who I haven't talked about in a while, but I'll actually have a, a Brene Brown book that I got, I think, for Christmas last year um, that I'm planning to bring with me on the plane because I'll have all that time to read it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Unless and, you're playing games on your phone. <laughs> well, you know, I can only use my phone so much or I'll drag the battery. Those games, oh my God, those games, they like, suck the battery. Um, and uh, so uh, I think what I'm going to do is have podcasts and music on my phone and I'll have a book to read and uh, and I'll be good. And maybe I'll even like sleep a little bit. Who knows? Actually, the flight, the flight, I'm flying from Detroit to Toronto and then Toronto to Vancouver and the flight from Toronto to Vancouver is in the, in the daytime. So mm-hmm. I got myself a window seat. So hopefully I'll see some nice scenery as we're flying over, over most of Canada and over the Rocky Mountains. I'm looking forward to that. Never been to Vancouver. Um, and then the topic suggestion of finances like that. Oh, that just hits my, um, my uh, anxiety points just boom right there. That's one of my my character defects is uh, a lot of fear about about finances and and facing them. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll have to do something with that topic. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Natalie uh, left a comment on the website. She was asking about the source of the Father's Day prayer that I read in the Father's episode, which was one hundred and seventeen, and I. Uh, I sent her a link and I also added it into the show notes at therecoveryshow.com slash 117. You want to read Sarah's email? Sure. Sarah wrote to F. Thank you so much for your podcast. After another last draw drinking episode this Sunday for my husband, I looked up Al-Anon and have been struggling with deciding what to do. After jolting awake at 2 a.m. last night full of anxiety and stress, I put my earbuds in and searched for the Al-Anon First Steps to Recovery podcast that I had listened to in the past few days and found your site. I have been trying to find the courage to go to a meeting for the first time, and one of your podcasts about people's first-time meeting experiences has given me the strength to go today. This morning, I listened to the episode 119 about worry and just sobbed through it. When the speaker said that when he worried about money and came to the realization that he'd been okay so far and that he'd be okay in the future too, since the past is the best predictor of the future, that really made me breathe easier for a minute. A million thank yous. Now, if you can only make me a less ugly crier, my face is completely red and covered with blotches and my eyes are swollen. That's my biggest worry about the meeting now, but I can do it, Sarah. And and Sarah uh, really... Um, wonderful to hear that that you're going to a meeting. Um, yes. That, that somehow we gave you the, uh, I don't know, courage, maybe the right word here or not, to, to do it. Uh, and I will say that we're used to uh, we're we're used to people crying in meetings, and and uh, there's no there's no, it's a no judgment zone. Absolutely. I mean, I cried. I don't know. My first month of meetings, 
and yeah. I didn't really worry about how I looked when I did it. I just was like, oh my God, I'm crying in public. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's funny. Um, thanks so much for your email, Sarah. I'm glad you're going to a meeting. Um, just keep going. I would also say it, the, I kind of laughed about the ugly crying because that's something my mom and I talk about. My mom, she's always like, I don't want to cry because then my face is going to get all swollen and I have to go out and be around people. So I understand. Um, but Spencer is right. Everybody's usually very understanding. They, they just are there. And they'll hand you some tissue and they'll let you get it out and it'll be fine. Yep. Most of us have been there at one point or another. Mm-hmm. Yep. Got an email from Jane. She says, hi, I listened to the episode on worry yesterday. And one thing that struck me was the similarity between worry and complaining. As you discussed, worry doesn't really solve anything. And it's important to recognize that once I've done what I can, I need to let go. Complaining doesn't really solve things either, and I've heard it said that if you can do something about a problem, do it. Don't complain about it. And if you can't do anything, why complain? And just like there's a subtle but important difference between worry and preparation, there is a similar difference between complaining and doing something. If the waiter brings me the wrong meal, letting him know so it can be fixed is different than making everyone else at the table miserable as they talk about what a horrible restaurant this is and how they couldn't get my order right. I wish I could come up with a clever, pithy saying to sum this idea up, but nothing is coming to me. Worry is like complaining about the future. Complaining is like worrying about stuff that's already happened. I don't know, but I think you get the idea. Thanks, Jane. Thanks, Jane. Yeah. I like that that observation about the difference between complaining and and doing something where doing something may require saying something, which puts Mm -hmm. out the complaining. Yeah. 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 That was great. And no, I don't have any clever, clever, pithy sayings about complaining and, and doing something either. But Eric, who's been on the podcast a few times, shared an idea about uh, getting the word out because we've been talking over the last few episodes about, well, you know, if the podcast was actually a meeting, then we could talk about it in our meetings and we could put it on meeting schedules and stuff. But then there are other things that would be sort of not possible if the podcast was a meeting. So uh, Eric says, I think I have also found a way that seems to work in getting the word out. During a phone meeting last week, I mentioned something helpful I have heard on an Elanon podcast. And if anyone would like to know how to find it for themselves, I would be happy to give out my number at the end of the meeting. After the meeting last week, I got six or so calls and texts asking for the address. And, and I think, you know, I've heard other people say in meetings, yeah, I was listening to, uh, you know, recovery podcast or something like that. And, and, you know, that gives, that gives somebody else the opportunity to come up and say, really? Recovery podcast? Al-Anon podcast? Tell me more. Yeah. Without uh, bringing it in as something that's part of the program. You know, it's something that's part of our own personal experience. Um, I might mention that, you know, I was reading a book about vulnerability and it really helped me to understand uh, some of the ways in which I'm, I'm fearful about opening up myself and, and that's blocking me from completing step five or whatever. Okay. Just to yeah. give a random example. Uh, and, and, and then somebody else could come up and say, really, that sounds, that sounds like a really interesting book. Can you tell me about it? And so I'm not bringing Brene Brown in this case into the meeting. I'm not reading from the book and saying, oh, you all need to understand this, which, you know, I've heard people do. And we understand um, when that happens because somebody gets really excited about something and wants to talk about it. But to me, that fits in the spirit of the tradition. And that was the other thing that you talked about in your experience was this thing about the big book and the big book is not Al-Anon conference approved literature, mm-hmm. which it's not. Uh, but 
I have also been listening to a lot of Al-Anon open uh, talks, speaker talks, and mm-hmm. some of them are from people who maybe were in the program when it started. Right. Uh, and uh, which was around 1950, if I remember correctly. And at that time, the only literature they had was the big book. And so a lot of the, uh, shall we call them long timers, uh, grew up in the program using the big book as their literature, using the big book as a guide to working the steps. And when they became sponsors, then they, you know, used that with their sponsees and so on. And so there's a there's a large community of people still in the Al-Anon program that, that view the big book as, um, you know, an important part of their program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of, one of the meetings that I go to uh, are... Uh, group conscience, and this is—I I don't know where this sits on the on the traditions—but our group conscience said that uh, we are allowed to to talk from the big book in our meeting. That the big book is part of what this meeting uses, and uh, because mm-hmm. we we do have some long timers in there, and they felt pretty strongly about that. Uh, and it may be yeah. that in another year or month or five years that people will say, you know what, I don't feel so comfortable about that, so let's not do this anymore, and then we won't. Um, let's see. So, um, yeah. Any thoughts about uh, Eric's idea? No, I just think that's great. And, um, I think that's what you were talking about. Your group did in line with the traditions that there's a uh, meeting I've been to a couple of times and they do mention non-conference approved literature because with their group conscience, they wanted to do that. Um, but they're, I guess their thing is they're very clear when you're talking about something that's not conference approved. Right. So, you know, we have autonomy within our group. Yep. We do. And as long as it doesn't damage Elanon as a whole, we're good. Yep. So I had a voicemail from a listener uh, who didn't want it to be played on the show, but who talked in part, one of the things that they talked about was this, the fact that in the podcast, sometimes we talk about a lot of different things and, and we talk about things that are part of the Elanon uh, literature. And we talk about things that are not part of the Elanon program, but that helped us personally. Mm-hmm. And this person thought that that was really helpful uh, for them. Mm-hmm. And the, that, and so this is where some of my hesitation about saying, well, let's see if we can make the podcast actually an official meeting is that then would really have to cut all of that other stuff out um, because yeah. it's not part of the, not part of the program. Uh, and it is stuff that, that is helpful to some of some people. And so anyway, it's, you know, there's no, there's no one right answer for everything. And, uh, and so my traditional authority for this is to let my higher power, uh, work on it and let me know what's the right thing for me to do. That's good. A little bit of podcast news here, which is, as you heard, I am going to be out of the country next week, which means that I actually get back Sunday morning next week. And since I usually record the podcast on Sunday, there's a very high probability that, there will not be a podcast next week because I will be sleeping after my red eye flight. <laughs> so just letting you know, if there's not one there, that's why. Doesn't cost you anything to listen to the recovery show, but we do have expenses. They run about sixty dollars a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Benjamin and Anthony did. And thank you again, Benjamin and Anthony, for your support. We also have a list of recovery-related books. You can click on the books link on the website. And 
If you order one of these books through Amazon by clicking on the link in the books page, lots of clicking on links here or tapping if you're on a tablet or a phone, I suppose. Uh, anyway, if you if you order from Amazon <laughs> through the website, we get a small commission. This is where I'm trying to go with this. Uh, we get a little bit of money. It doesn't cost you anything more, and it helps us to keep us going. So we really appreciate it if you do that. Thanks. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, including just listening. We are here for you. And the last song selection that I chose is song Boys to Men by New Edition. And, and again, you can listen to that at therecoveryshow.com slash 120. And this is basically a coming-of-age song uh, with the theme that as we grow into adulthood, we take on new responsibilities and new authority. And here's some lyrics. So we search for answers to our questions, looking for the answers. No answers, but we are taught a lesson every time. Through mistakes, we've learned to gather wisdom. Life's responsibility falls in our hands. Keep on learning. Keep on growing. Wisdom helps us understand. We're maturing without knowing. These are the things that change boys to men. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time. <laughs>